get up, get, get up, get up. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, the official podcast of the New York Mets, episode 115. And this is a absolutely massive episode. Honestly, probably the biggest one we've had since the announcement of being the official podcast of the New York Mets. And that's because I won my first estimate this weekend. No, of course it's not. It's because the Mets just took four of five from the Atlanta Braves in what has been the most important series the Mets have played in a very long time, most important series of the entire season. And they absolutely stuck it to them. It was phenomenal at City Field. The vibe were incredible and we are so excited to talk to you guys about what happened this weekend so if you guys are not yet following us on all our social media make sure you are at Mets up tiktok instagram and you or not youtube yeah twitter twitter's the one i yeah, forgot, I forgot twitter and if you're listening to the youtube video or watching the youtube video check out the new york mets youtube channel that's where you'll be able to find it if you're listening to us apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, odyssey wherever you get them drop us a rating a review download subscribe all that good stuff let's bring in james here we're in a new spot james how you like it I kind of like it. We're in the control room. It's like the lifeblood of all Mets production. It's like the mitochondria of of the me- <laughs> of what goes on the scoreboard. Mitochondria, good word. We haven't been dropping a lot of SAT words recently. I don't I don't know how many times you can sneak mitochondria into a sentence, but that was a pretty smooth one. We're just too focused on ball right now, and there's no reason not to be after what the Mets just did to the Atlanta Braves over I, the last five, four days. I'm literally like. I'm up in the clouds right now. I'm feeling different. Yeah, high five. That deserves a high high five, five. no doubt. We love high five and after big things. And it's just, this series was so important coming in. There was so much riding on this. And for the Mets to not only come out of it as the victors, I Mm -hmm. mean, 3-2 would have been nice. Great. 4-1. You gained three games on the Braves, who at one point were really breathing down your necks. What was it, down to half a game, a game and a half? At one point, it was a half a game. And now you have a six and a half game lead. With a month and a half of baseball, two months left of baseball left, seven games against the Braves. Still yeah. a lot of baseball to be had. All in Atlanta. All in Atlanta. We're not going to pull any salicata nonsense over here and no. start making proclamations. But that being said, wow, wow, wow. This is a really amazing feeling. And the city, city field was absolutely vibing. Every single game. Like literally from the first pitch on Thursday to the last pitch on Sunday. Every single fan, it felt like, was locked in, screaming, feeling themselves for as many as many moments as humanly possible. And this this was not an easy weekend for the no. fans. You want to give a lot of credit to the fans. It was hot every single day. Hot for the fans, hot for everyone working the games, hot for the players out there. You were There were evenings where you were sitting down sweating. No sun, just humidity, sweat dripping off your face. But everyone showed up, and this place was as electric as it's been since I can remember. After Friday night, I came back to my apartment. My parents dropped me off because they came to the game. Shout out to Mark and Tony. And they, I had to take a shower. I was soaking wet. You don't wet. usually do that after? Not necessarily after a game. That's crazy. So, I do every, after every single time. I'm a morning here. shower guy. Yeah, I'm I night, shower I'm in the morning. I got to be woken up. I don't do coffee. I don't do caffeine, any of that nonsense. I'm all natural, but I do take a shower. I had to take another one after it because it was so humid and thick and hot. I mean, Thursday night even started off really nice when we were yeah. sitting up in left field. The breeze was amazing, and the balls were flying out Thursday night, as we saw, too. Mets hit a bunch of home runs. But then all of a sudden, like, come the fifth, sixth inning, the breeze stopped, and it just got thick air, and it kind of felt like that happened every single game this series. Yeah, and the fact that this place was so jam-packed that every single seat was full, which, again, that's something we don't really remember that often from yeah. the very near past. People are on top of each other. You're hot, you're sweating, and it's all getting in there. But like just from the jump on Thursday, it seemed like the Mets had this this just just feel about them, that they were here for business. Like This was a, this was a statement series, and they looked... They looked very much ready to deliver that statement on Thursday night. And it was also strange, too, because there was, like, some seven-line issues getting to the game on Thursday. Yeah. So there was a little bit of delays, so the stadium filled in a little bit slower than normal. If oh. has- I got caught in horrific traffic on Sunday. I missed Jacob DeGrom's first pitch. I was so mad about that. I put up an Instagram story running. Literally, I got out of the car on the highway, <laughs> and I sprinted, like, through the parking lot to try and get there in time. And I heard Simple Man, like, from the gate, and I was like, damn, but- Got close. Got goosebumps listening to Simple Man yeah. just to keep on that track. Jacob DeGrom pitching, yeah, was unbelievable. But I was talking about the seven line. I got to Queensboro Plaza like 30 minutes before you, and we got to the field at the same, time. same time. Because yeah. the seven line, there was something going on. They had investigations was what they were saying. I don't like that word when no. I'm on a train. I don't like hearing about investigations. But luckily made it there on time. And again, once everyone started to fill in, the place was buzzing. And it helped too because the Mets like really took control of this game very early. Yeah, by the second inning, it was 5 nothing Mets. Pete had an RBI single in the first, which you always just love the great feeling of getting on board first. And then got crazy in second inning. My boy Tyler Naquin, home run, his first plate appearance as a Met in City Field. And then Pete and Vogie 
back to back. What are we calling them? The Beef Brothers? The Beef Brothers. I saw someone tweet us the Burger Brothers, which I yeah. also like that one because we, we have Big Meat Pete yeah. and we have Beef Daniel Vogelback. Burger Brothers, Beef Brothers, whatever it is. The way that Daniel Vogelback has changed this lineup coming into it has made it so much deeper. Even Tyler Naquin now, who was hitting, what, seventh in this game? Something like that. I mean, you go back even a month ago and having what the lineup was looking like, and it's so drastically different, and it's way harder. They all have good at-bats. They all hit for power. We were going through the OPSs during the game. Everyone's hovering in that 700 or 750 to 800 range, which is awesome. Or even just the lower 700s, which is still above league average for this year yeah. in baseball. And that was the third time that Mets players have gone back-to-back this season. And like I said, it was 5 nothing before everyone settled in, especially before the Atlanta Braves settled in, because Carlos Carrasco got in a groove early in this game that he would not get out of. No, he was absolutely... A- Awesome. Carlos Carrasco all year has been one of the best pitchers on this team, and especially the last month, yeah. has been really just lights out. I mean, scoreless inning after scoreless inning after scoreless inning, getting guys to chase. He's been money. Yeah, he's retired 12 of the first, te- 12 of the first 14 even facing this game. Before he gave a few back in the fifth, the Braves saw him at third time. Ronald Acuna hit a home run after twice Carlos Carrasco struck him out with very nice sliders. Then Acuna spit on a very nice slider, and then the next one was a spinner. Fell back in the zone. He hit it out. You tip your cap. One of the yeah. best players in baseball. Finally decided to actually start playing well in the first four games of the series against the Mets. Gary jinxed him a little he bit. He did jinx him a we little bit. We were at the game, but I got texts from my dad saying that Gary was talking about Acuna having a down season, and it seemed like within <laughs> seconds he got that home run, started to play well. I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. I'll give that to the Braves. Ronald Acuna's a good player. Yeah, I'll give you one. But after when this start was all said and done for Carrasco, six innings, two earned, six strikeouts, four hits, just one walk. It's, he was so in control. This felt a lot like that Marlins start from two Saturdays mm, ago. Or that yeah. was even last Saturday, maybe. I can't even. Dude, time is. After a five-game yeah. series. That was actually just last Saturday. That, that feels like a month ago. Yeah. Oh like, my God. I mean, it technically was. It was July. It I guess. Technically, it technically was, was a month yeah, ago. Sure, before trade deadline. But just like he's in, like he said, he's in a rocking chair. It's just back and forth. Fastball slider. Fastball slider. Change up. Fastball slider. That's all you got to do. Slider, especially, like I said it before, was amazing. Seven whiffs on 18 swings. I mentioned the two against Acuna. The pitch was just absolute bother and it's helping Carrasco to have one of the best chase rates in all baseball it was 43.5 percent on that I can't remember the day on Thursday scores 22 and two-thirds scoreless inning streak 1.5 ERA in his last six starts John give me some more numbers here 20 swings on 45 pitches out of the zone that's ridiculous absolutely How do you do that no he's just been so dominant and this is a this is a big day for you because yeah. these were a lot of your guys. Carlos Carrasco, yep. Tyler Naquin hitting yep. two home runs. The first Met to ever hit two home runs in a home debut. Huge for the brand. Big for the James Shiano brand. How does it feel to be so right on these calls right now? Right now, I'm, I'm hot right now. And I, hit it. I had a lot of the Met fans tweet back at me the exact thing I tweeted when the Mets traded for Tyler Naquin. Yeah. Tyler Naquin's a really good baseball player who will fit well in the Mets. Like, he, a bunch of people responded that to me when I was going crazy about Naquin on Thursday. Dude, it's just it's unbelievable. Like It's so funny. We talked about this, and now kind of just talking about the series as a whole here, but the Mets I think have lost two of their last 14 games. Yeah. They've been on an absolute roll. And, uh, in both losses, people act like the sky was falling. Literally. Yeah. The trade deadline, you thought that this team was going to not make the playoffs. Did That's the, how it was acting. Did the Mets win the trade deadline? The, the Mets had a great trade <laughs> deadline, it seemed like, with the acquisitions that they made, especially because, I mean, last estimate, we had our choices, and I ended up winning this because I went with the overrun hits. You set a great line again. I did. You set a line of Book, seven. Bookmaker. They got ten. But there was a great series for the new acquisitions, on the, on the hitting side at least. Definitely. We'll talk about those guys a little bit more. But to wrap up Thursday, because it feels like 13 lifetimes ago. So Ed, long. Edwin Diaz came out for a six, what turned out to be a six-out save. The first of his entire career, which very much surprised me. And there was this kind of moment of like trepidation in between the eighth and ninth inning where Edwin came in very clearly to pitch against the top of the order, it yeah. seemed like. And just because also there was no off day, the Mets were rolling a lot of games, a lot of days here. And he came, comes in the dugout. He has a word with Buck and Hef. They both look at everyone, each other nod. And Taiwan Walker looks at everybody and was like, and in. He's going back in. Wow. He yeah. gave like a great gifable, memeable face there. And it was just it was just unbelievable. And you see that this entire team is starting to rise to the occasion as this month has flipped from July to August. And Buck specifically about DS coming out for the success save. He said, Hey, we manage April, May, June, July one way, but once that calendar turns to August and you gotta put the, the foot on the gas pedal, like you have to manage differently. And and Big ups to Edwin Diaz for answering this call. Yeah, especially in what is the most important series of the year, going up against the Braves. That was a win we desperately needed, I think, in this series. Also, a five-game series is so weird. The only experience we really have with a five-game series is the first round of the postseason, like yeah. the, the divisional series. And you get days off. 
I know, but you know about how important winning that first game is to get close to those winning a series. And the Mets were even able to blow through, which is winning a series is, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, and we had the Brave series last year. It went a lot differently than it did this year, which Jared very happy. Cough. Yeah, Jared. Well, we shouldn't be. That's like a, a boogeyman name in there. We shouldn't say it. He might appear at, at any moment if you say his name. He's like someone. Someone wants me. Someone like could pop up one of these TVs in here. Oh, would be the doubt. craziest thing in the world. Yeah, in yeah. the control room, there's got to be someone rolling some some B roll of Jared Eikhoff somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Also, just another thing to mention this game. Uh, four home runs in the game. Match season high for the Mets. And also, Francisco Lindor in this game, second half back, got his OPS for the season over 800. It's a long and winding road, but we made it. Dude's a good baseball player. So I mean, good. like I. We say this every episode. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but how much longer do you need to get on the Francisco Lindor bandwagon? Like, why do you want to be the one that's difficult? Why do you want to be different? Why do you want to be? Why do you want to be wrong? Honestly, now it's not even if you want to be right. You want to be wrong because all this guy has done this year has been one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. Exactly what we paid him for, which is what everyone complains about. For the people who still hate Francisco Lindor and try to like rally against him, it's kind of like if you're playing poker, Texas Hold'em specifically. Mm. Like, let's say you have pocket sevens. And turn comes, and it's like seven, four, ten. I'm really like, trying to figure out where you're going with this. Like I'm here. hanging out here. Oh my god! Like I'm so locked in. Seven, four, ten. I have three of a kind. Like I'm gonna go in. Like I'm ready, and I'm gonna commit to this pot. And then all of a sudden, no. So that was that. That's the. I'll never. I don't know exactly. Yeah, the where were you going? Then the fourth car comes over. It's an ace, and the river car comes over. It's an ace. And now you have three sevens, but you're staring at two aces. You know someone else still in this hand has an ace. Yeah. And you're still pretending like your sevens are gonna win. And then the cards flip over, and oh my god, you lost the hand. Yeah. You're pot committed. Sometimes you have to do something. It felt right at the time. Now you realize it might be wrong and you should readjust your strategy. Sunk cost, right? Sunken cost? Is Possibly. That, that's is a, that what it's called? That's over our pay grades. Over yeah, that's that's economics. I'm a YouTuber here. You're you're yeah. capitalist James now though. <laughs> not, not really. Do Twitter. <laughs> Social media guy. Thursday though. Great way to start the series. Yes. Awesome job. Edwin Diaz lights out. Just been the best closer in baseball all year. Yeah, I remember we were just thinking about like the fact that oh, Edwin pitched two innings. He's not probably not going to be available Friday. We hope we get one game of the double header, and then things changed. Yeah, things changed. Now Friday. That being said, we'll briefly go over this game. Although some low, very low important key, things happened this game. Low key might have been the most important game of this entire series, even though the Mets lost, and this was our first real poop fest in a in quite some time. Like a have, month. We haven't thrown that out a lot. We no. were throwing it out. Almost every episode. Cause well, this was still the second game of the series, yep. and the Mets lose second games of series. This is actually a big deal for the Mets, having these longer series. Like, if we had more <laughs> four or five game series, we lose game two, and then we just rip. It's a team built for the playoffs. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely is. But this was a poop fest, and it kind of started with Taiwan Walker having by far his worst start of the season, worst start since dating back to the second half of last year. Had a lot of Mets fans quitting on Taiwan Walker, which, which is crazy. I'm a little disappointed in saying he's like a first half merchant, things like that. It's not true. I heard, this, I heard boos, and I like I was yeah, like, it's guys, cringe. guys. First off, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know Taiwan's a different pitcher than he was last year. That splitter changes everything. It's a great, great moment to buy low on Taiwan Walker. Awesome moment. And also, if you watch that first inning, you saw he had that weird moment where he kind of like threw that weird pitch where he like see, tweaked his knee a little bit. like he landed weird watching it on television. I know you're in the ballpark. And it just seemed like after that, he was like planting a little bit less certainly. And the pitches weren't really having the same break we've seen yeah. him have recently. And that kind of bore itself out in the velocity and the movement. So... I just kind of got to throw that one up to happenstance. Mets, Mets are going to lose games. Yeah. Mets are going to lose games. Here's here's where we start to spin zone this thing, though. Yes. This was a game that was over in the first inning. Yes, second, second, second inning. really. It was 8-0. Mets were fighting, though, every single inning, so much so that they were able to get to the Braves' bullpen relatively early in an 8-0 game and get make them use their best relievers, which in a five-game series especially... It, it showed in the last three games. And it very much started like right after the Mets gave up all the runs. Like From the bottom of the second inning, the Mets were hot. Brandon Nimmo had the at-bat with two outs, hit a single. Tomas Nido scored. No, Tyler Naquin scored. And then Joey Cora being aggressive with two outs. Yeah. Whatever you think of the call, he's two outs. You kind of just send the guy, especially a guy who can run a little bit in Guillaume. Yeah, I didn't agree with it, but I yeah. don't care anymore. Got hose at the plate. You got to like tip your cap to it. That was Acuna or Harris in that throw? That was Michael Harris who's right. got Acuna, it. Acuna robbed the Pete home run, I believe, yes. right before, right after this. Which Michael Harris, good ball player. Yes, yeah, so Ronald Acuna, also a good ball player. But you got to give a lot of credit to that Mets offense for immediately fighting back, getting guys on almost every single inning, and then especially for Trevor Williams. Yes. For coming into a game where the Braves were kind of like wolves, like circling like a wounded deer with when Tyler yeah. Walker was losing it, and they were probably looking at their chops for Trevor Williams to come in the game. And he kept everybody at bay for four innings, just keeping everything in the yard. Everything was nothing was really hit that hard. A couple of sure, but like everything, he did every single thing we ever could have imagined him doing. I think we're officially at the moment where the trade that went down last year for 
Pete Crow Armstrong. Oh, the Trevor Williams it's trade. It's the Trevor Williams trade now. Yeah, for sure. He's had way more of an impact <laughs> you know? on this Mets team than Javi Baez did. I mean, Javi Baez, people forget, had like an unbelievable second half last year. He was year. good. He like, like hit 300 with like 10 homers. What did he do for me this year? Nothing. He didn't have it. But you know what? That was great not signing. It was a great You're move. You're not compounding bad moves. But that's Ep dog. Ep dog. Yeah. Trevor Williams, Heike saved the whole series, going four innings, keeping the Braves off the board, and then allowing, and also Joelle, Givens, Tommy Hunter too, and then giving the Mets an opportunity to get back into this game enough to yeah. where we were going to make the Braves expend their best relievers. Did start also, not did start, but the big blow was Darren Ruff mm -hmm. against Dylan Lee. Dylan Lee, yes, yeah. Dylan Lee. Double off the wall, so close to going out. So the SNY cameras, the series were really <laughs> killing me. Because that one was like right there, and it like zoomed all the way in on it. I was like, where's the ball? Yeah, Darren uh, Ruff, that was a big one for me because I, I caught a lot of flack. Slack. Flack. 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 Flack's the right word. I caught a lot of flack on Twitter. John, you laughing over there? You like that one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I thought after the last episode you'd have that one down. <laughs> flack and slack. You got to know me. I'm, you got to have like a big board in the back. Flack, slack. Yeah, that's that's like a Low chart. play like a champion. <laughs> it's going to say flack does not equal slack. <laughs> but I caught a lot of flack for the Darren Ruff comments. And I immediately, Just like me with Naquin. Yeah, like this was a big redemption series yeah, for our takes because boy, oh boy, do we hit the nail on the head. Darren Ruff crushes lefties it was a fact and he showed it in this game which was it was awesome to see him come off the bench like that also buckshaw walter masterclass. yeah it's just buckshaw walter was getting the pinch hitters ready from the first half of this game like fourth fifth inning dude even in today's game which when we're recording it on sunday he brought in Dar darren ruff for vogel back yeah. uh, vogel back in the fourth inning yeah he made the switch early because there was guys on base guys in scoring position he's gotta like do it you got to do it if you want to win these games every single run matters as we've seen in this series yeah. as well every single run mattered and we're all learning right now on the fly that platoons like really do work like you if you put your players in a more advantageous situation like they'll usually play better who, who would have thought who it's amazing like baseball was such a, is like such a specialized sport and you play your own position, but the actual act of hitting hadn't really been specialized until the last five, 10 years with the platoon stuff. Yeah. And now teams are starting to use them more and more. And that's why a guy like Darren Ruff really fits on a lot of teams. Pushing back on that for half a second. I do recall some stories about the Mets in 1986 having a lot of pretty strict platoons. Yes, they Johnson. did. They did. And that's something that I don't think gets talked about enough, but when you like talk about that 86 team you always like if you talk to our dads they'll name like 15 hitters yeah and you'll be like well only nine could eight at that point because the pitcher was still hitting could be in a lineup deep bench back then though deep depth deep bench of course but john you have a platoon stat for us yeah so you guys are talking about the importance of platoons and the mess of leverage that all year long they've had the advantage in the platoon 54 percent of the time this year that means if there's a righty pitcher they have a lefty batter and vice versa Tied for the highest in baseball. That wasn't the case the last three, four, five years with this team. And it was pretty obvious that that was where they were going at the yeah. deadline. They wanted to be that platoon specialist team. We've seen teams win World Series like this. and yep. Oh, yeah. It's worked for the Mets so far. The Rays literally get to the World Series with Nothing. just pl platoon every position, essentially. So you have the really good players like Pete Alonzo, Francisco Lindor, you know, Jeff McNeil, all the guys on this team, Starling Marte, Brendan Nimmo. And then you could sprinkle in little platoons here and there to get more offense out of the positions that are maybe lacking as a whole against both sides. Like, it's just it's just called being smart. It's a good process. It also just feels like a kind of shift in the Mets' entire organizational philosophy that we've harped on a lot on this show. The yep. fact that at this deadline, the Mets were shrewd. Whether people think they maybe should have given them more prospects or not to go all in this year or not, they were still able to improve in a lot of different ways, in a lot of very pertinent ways. Yep. Very, very efficiently and very easily. And we got a shout out after the trade deadline from a friend of ours, friend of the show, former guest, executive editor of Baseball America, Matt Eddie. Shout out you, Matt. Hopefully you listen to this one. Let's go, Matt. Said that, like, love the mess trade deadline. And that, like, the way that we described it. Because, like, this, while it wasn't flashy or sexy, like, you saw immediately, all Mets fans, how important all of these three hitters the Mets acquired have become to this team. Yeah. Like, Mets have lost one game since the trade deadline. It was on the trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, two games, two games, yeah. Two games. But, like, this team is completely different now offensively. The, the the bench is exactly what we were looking for. And this is, uh, just to kind of wrap up this game, too, here, they forced the Braves to use their best bullpen arms because even though the Braves still kind of did have a decent lead at most points in this game, the Mets were putting the Braves in scenarios where it's like, oh, my goodness, we, we have to get an out here. And the Mets are putting in Darren Ruff to face the lefty. The Mets are putting in Tyler Naquin to face the righty. Whatever it is, they're giving themselves the best matchup. They're giving themselves the best advantage. And the Braves had to use how many arms? In the game, the Braves were leading eight. 8 nothing, in the second inning. The Braves had to pitch six different guys. Big part of that is because Ian Anderson is just simply not very effective. He got sent to the minor leagues the other day, yeah. I think on Sunday, actually. Yeah, 
Dylan Lee made pitch thir- had 13 pitches. Colin McHugh, 14 pitches. A.J. Minter, 22 pitches. I think we only saw A.J. Minter one other time in the series did after I? that. Yeah. Russell Iglesias, 11 pitches. He actually did get into another game. And then Kenley Jansen's only appearance in this series, 15 pitches. Yeah, I mean, they just made the in that same pen. game, the Mets pitched Trevor Williams, Joely Rodriguez, Michael Givens, and Tommy Hunter. So to put the pressure on the Braves after leading this game 8 nothing in the second inning and not using anybody in either our A, I'd say, or B team bullpens, yeah. it's a masterclass. Especially moving into the big doubleheader on Saturday because that was this was this was a big day. Yeah. The Mets had an opportunity. Both teams really had an opportunity to make a big move here. This was going to sway the entire series. And luckily for the Mets, I mean, taking both of these games oh is God. amazing. I saw a stat that the Mets hadn't been swept in a doubleheader like, in like what, 22 or 24 doubleheaders. Yeah, I mean like they've been really good in doubleheaders recently. And last year there were so many. There were so many last year, so many. But the fact that they were able to come out and take both these games in the doubleheader very easily, I like is easily the right word? I mean it's kind of the right word. It wasn't like that stressful relatively to how stressful other games have been. There wasn't many moments. Did the Mets even trail in this doubleheader? I don't think so. I think they led for the entire doubleheader both games. Like they were just they were just better than the Braves. I know, I know, I know the Braves fans and all yeah, the Braves lucky, personalities lucky, lucky. and the Braves players. Spencer Strider after Ugh. today was so really whiny. How could you want? We went to went to Clemson as yeah, a Gamecock. I have to throw some shade at Clemson. That's, that's a whiny school. That's a whiny school. But <laughs> there also was. I just lost my train of thought here for a second. I want talking. I'll, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. There was like moments in this game that the games did get close. I don't want to make it sound like the Mets just railroaded the Braves because the Braves are still a very, very good team. Like this is going to be a team. Fantastic. Yeah. It's going to make the playoffs and be very dangerous. They won the world series last year. Go for what you're going to say. I was wondering, cause I remember when this schedule came out and even we discussed it, that Scherzer was going to be the game. One guy versus yeah. freed. And the, se- the second game of doubleheader was going to be like the lesser pitchers, you know, yes. Peterson versus Odorizzi. I wonder what moment that changed. I think that swap kind of gave the Mets this incredible mental advantage in the series, especially getting runs off the bat against Odorizzi, who's not very good. No. Never really. He has been, but like right now, this Braves team, he's nothing special. The Mets getting runs in the first inning against Jake Odorizzi. Now suddenly, you have a Braves team that the series is tied at the moment, but you're staring at Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. Yeah. And this is David Peterson. Like, this is the one you're supposed to hit. And you're losing off the bat, and you only have Jake Odorizzi on the mound who can't seem to really stop the Mets from getting on base and getting on base and getting on base. I saw a good tweet that I really liked from KFC over at Barstool, which he's he's kind of changed his tone a little bit with the Mets. I got to give him some credit. He's no longer uh, jumping off the bridge like he usually does. But that being said, he was like, this five-game series, it's kind of two separate series. It's like you have the two-game series where the Mets split, and then you have a three-game series, like you mentioned, with Scherzer and DeGrom in it. Like, yeah. The Mets were still in a really good scenario, and that's why winning game was so game one was so important, and you saw it in this. We also independently had the thought that this series felt like hockey more than baseball, yeah. which is bizarre. Mark said that, and I texted him that Crazy. also later that night. Strange, but it just felt like these teams like were just like trying to hit each other more so than like trying to like play like a finessed baseball game. Well, and you were just like it was tight. It was yeah. tight. You were on the edge of your seat this entire series too. Even like with a lead, you're worried about giving up runs because you don't want like someone to get momentum. Like momentum, sometimes the thing in baseball is more a thing, and like the sports that have flow. Yeah, baseball, ho- football, hockey, basketball. But you felt that here, and you saw these guys like the emotion, the animosity, like really be pertinent. Even after Thursday, the Mets were doing curtain calls, and it was like kind of a funny thing. Yeah, Vogie got one. I think Naquin kind of did one as like half a joke after a second one. And then the Braves on Friday were, like, taking sarcastic curtain calls. Yeah. Like, of course, trying to make fun of the Mets because the thing around baseball, the Mets celebrate their regular season wins more than any other team. Sure. Okay, <laughs> I get that. But hilarious that the Braves, you can just see it, like, infiltrating their conscience. Which is nice. It's I like, great. I, that's, that's a big check mark. That's Huge. That's, like two, two respect points right there for the Mets that they kind of got in the Braves' head a little bit. And, I mean, like, just even talking about these two games because I know we've kind of been talking all yeah. over about the series, and that's what's going to happen in a five-gamer. But again, David Peterson. Awesome. I've been so great so for this good. team. We've said it multiple times, but to go five innings like he did. And a third. And a third. Okay, I'll give him, yeah, can't forget the extra third. That was Matt Olson. It's a big out. That was a big out, especially because <laughs> we've seen what Matt Olson has done to him the third time he's faced yeah. him every single time. <laughs> this is the third time that David Peterson's faced Atlanta Braves this year. All three times, he's pitched very well for precisely five innings. And two two times before this, the third time Matt Olson saw him hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, and he got his 200th career strikeout on that Matt Olson time this nice. time in this game. So like, even, even before that happened, though, Olson hit a mammoth fly ball. Oh, crushed it. Yeah, I, I went, oh my God, we did it again. Yeah. <laughs> so it happened again, but he threw 99. Yeah, how was the pitch of his career? The slider thinker. was disgusting yeah. again. I mean, David Peterson... Just standing ovation. Did get a standing ovation. Deserved it. Yes. Deservedly so. And in a game where you're going up against Shaco Odorizzi, who's not the ace, like I think you did make a really good point earlier. The Braves kind of moving Max Freed to that second game because if you let's say in there's a world where they beat Max Scherzer, now well, well, did they initiate it? Like who initiated the Mets or the Braves? Because whoever initiated it, the other team would have had to have matched. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. I don't really know. I don't even know if you know John or have heard anything about this. But someone had to have 
said this was going to get flopped. But it getting flopped really changed the entire tone of this series because you knew as a Mets as a Mets player, as a Mets fan, as a Mets coach, you win this game and you you have a foot on a neck. Yeah. With Max Scherzer on the mound. I and mean. they did. They really did. They he knows Rizzi every single inning. Peterson was amazing. Talked about the sinker. Fastball and slider, both awesome. 13 call strikes the fastball. Wow. Yes, 13. amazing. And he was very much capped at those 80 pitches, which is kind of where he's been around this year, just going around the other three times. Yeah. But I feel like him finding that velocity, it just might be the beginning of him transitioning into this swingman-ish role. Yeah, Gary mentioned on the broadcast, he was saying that Peterson came out hot, and he goes, maybe that's because he's kind of learning how to be a reliever, and yeah. that's how he has to come out, because he definitely had way more juice in the first thing than he did the rest yeah. of the game. Throwing 99, we've never seen him do that. No, literally the hardest of his career. And this game, the bats did a lot. We yeah. talked about them just getting after Jake Odorizzi. It was just a lot of heat. A lot of long at-bats, a lot of balls in play. That's what they do, man. Plenty of walks. Like It was just absolutely nonstop. Wait, first, breaking news, John has a note about base runners. John? Yeah, we were talking about Odorizzi and how he was constantly under siege. And in this game, one win, the Mets had a base runner in every single turn to bat in all eight innings. Wow. Obviously, they didn't That's take awesome. a at-bat in the bottom of the ninth inning. Yeah. But that just goes to show the pressure they apply. High-stress pitches for the, bull, for the bullpen of the other team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you really got that sense that they kind of just wore Atlanta down, especially on Saturday, which... It was a long day at the park for everyone. For and you guys. Yeah, yeah, we were in here. We didn't come to that one. No, no, no. <laughs> we so were bowling. It was, it was hot. It was a great day bowling. Shout, shout out the gutter. But that, you kind of did feel the effects of the Friday because yeah. as Jacob DeRizzi got into trouble, they didn't have their best relievers to bring in for him. And you saw Bryce Elder. Yeah. And there's someone else you saw that wasn't quite that good. I don't know. I don't remember. But like, you felt like the Braves were like, oh, we don't have the answers right now for this. Like We keep getting punched and we're not putting up, you know, it's kind of like when a boxer, I'm watching boxing right now in SNY. It's like when a boxer gets tired and you stop putting your hands up. Yeah. You didn't, they, could, they, could, they couldn't put their hands up. And even as the Braves kept getting runs, the Mets kept going right back and right back and right back, not letting them breathe. Yep. Lindor, a bunch of RBIs. James McCann, Jimmy Big Hits getting a big one for us, making a lead 8-2. Unfortunately, Yoan Lopez couldn't keep it close, and we yeah. did have to get Edwin and, Diaz in the game. And right before this happened, Francisco Lindor and Pete hit balls like to the warning track. Each could have made yeah. it like, a, like an eight-run game. Yeah. So Ugh. it would have been nice if Yoan could have closed out the game. But again, that's that's Saturday oh. game one's problem. We won the oh, series. Now, are, these are first world problems. Couldn't care less. Yeah, the Mets yeah. still won this game. They swept the doubleheader, as we mentioned. Lindor, three hits, three RBIs, two runs scored. Good baseball really player. Good. Him and Pete were just incredible this series. And it feels like... It's been incredible since the All-Star break. Getting Vogie in that lineup has really changed the way these guys perform. They just all... It, it feels like a weight has been lifted off their shoulders a little bit maybe in that like, okay, yeah, we still are supposed to be the run producers. We still are supposed to be doing the heavy lifting. But if I don't, the guy behind me has me now. Yeah. Can I talk about Max Scherzer for a minute? Go, I want you to talk about him for two minutes. Wow, two minutes. All right, so I'm going to start at the clock. This... This start from Max Scherzer was the start where I really... The Yankee one was good, but it's still just Yankee. It's still just an interleague game. Yes. This one against the Braves with Sick. winning the series like in grasp against one of the better pitchers in the National League, Max Fried on the other side. You see it. This is the entire reason he's on this team. This is the entire reason you fork over all that money to have Max Scherzer play for you. This is the whole reason that we stay up all night and random November <laughs> night to hope, pray to God, that Max Scherzer signs with this team. Might be the reason we have this podcast. It's probably the reason we have this podcast. We're talking to you guys in this room right now with real microphones and real lights and real cameras. But Mark, like, hit me on the shoulder when we were at the bowling alley after, like, one of the first pitches of the game. Yeah. Max Scherzer struck somebody out in the first inning. He might have struck out the first couple bats of the I think game. he did. He was pretty dominant from the start. And he just, like, he just got the ball and he, like, took his walk around the mound. And it's like, this guy isn't, like, pitching. This man is hunting. When he is pacing like that, it's like, I... I wouldn't want to say anything to him. No. I don't want to be in the general vicinity. I don't even know if I really want to be in the stadium. You know what I really don't want to be? 90 feet away. Yeah, I, in the batter's no. box. 60. Yeah, in the batter's box. Don't want to be anywhere close to him pitching because he is a guy who, whether or not he has his best stuff, he did have his best stuff. This was the, the best Spoiler stuff, yeah. alert. But he will just will it regardless. Yeah. Mentally, you're not going to beat this guy. And He's the fact like, that he always has that like mental floor, and then when the stuff is there, that's how you get one of the greatest pitchers of a generation. Because yeah, his floor is a guy who refuses to lose. No. And his ceiling is a guy who's the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, he came into this game and he said, oh, you're not beating me. No. That's, it's not happening. We were winning this series watch. today, and I'm handing ball to Jake to kill you guys. I mean, he threw, what, 108, 109 pitches. We thought that there was a chance he maybe didn't come out for the seventh. Yeah. And we, saw, right him we saw him walking in the dugout. We're like, oh, he's He's, he's, in. he's like, you take me out, you're going to have to, like, literally, like... I thought there was even half a chance he didn't come out for the eighth, like, 107 pitches. Which it looked been. like he was, like, really on it. And just the final stat line, seven innings, only four hits allowed, 11 strikeouts, two hard-hit balls for a Braves team that has one of the, the best hard-hit percentages, best barrel rates in all of baseball. Two hard-hit balls, seven innings against Max Scherzer. Only Edwin Diaz... Wait, have we... Yeah. Oh. <laughs> slider. Talk about the slider. <laughs> Wanna go slider. I went, I went a bullet point too far. Slider had 12 whiffs and 21 swings. 
That's just basically part for the course of Max Scherzer having 50% yeah. whiff rate. And it's honestly been better since he came back from injury. Only Edwin Diaz has a higher whiff rate on a slider than Max Scherzer since Max Scherzer came off the IL. Two Mets. He's got a pretty good slider, too. Yeah, it's not bad. A little, little Jeremy Hefner sprinkling the Literally. magic again. <laughs> Only one Brave reached third base against Max Scherzer. And that Brave was Travis Darno, who was gunned down by Luis Guillorme at home plate. Dude, I was laughing after the game. Because, like, I've been watching some of the post-game stuff just because for the podcast, we can get yeah. some, like, fun sound bites. For sure. And I don't know who it was, but someone asked Guillorme, who had the best reaction in the dugout to your play at the plate? He's like, I don't know, man. Like, I was out on the field. Like, <laughs> he's like, I don't really, like... Well, someone also asked Guillorme, like, what was going through your mind that play? He was like, I knew I had him. I was going to throw it. He talked about it really well, too. He made, was like, a like, nice pick. He even took a second. Yeah. Well, because he said he took a second that because if Travis doesn't go and yeah. he throws the ball home, yeah. he, like, he has to be going. Yeah, he could just go back to third and all of a sudden they're really in trouble. For sure. He's like, but once I saw he took those hard steps, he's like, oh, I got him. No problem. And a great play by Nito at the plate as well. Right on him. Great job. 85 miles an hour to home plate from in the hole at second base. That was his 109th career game with 10 Ks for Scherzer. Passes Pedro for sole possession of fourth on the all-time list. You, I saw the other names on the list, too. What so was funny. It? it was like Clemens, Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, I yeah. think, Pedro, him. And uh, was Verlander? No, no, Verlander's that was the other stat. He actually tied, Scherzer in this game tied Justin Verlander for, I think, the 14th most strikeouts all time. John, I see you wrote a, a pun in here with Max Fried. Do you want to just take this one for yourself? Oh, you, you talking about the uh, the breakfast pun? Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, obviously, Jake Odorizzi. Is that how you pronounce it? Or is it, it is. Odorizzi? It might be Odorizzi. I don't know. It's, I think stinks. it's Odorizzi. I've heard it was for the purpose of uh, the connection that was made here. Yes. We'll say Jake Odorizzi. So he pitches game one, and then the, the Brave game two starter is Max Fried, and it's spelled like fried. And I was, I was thinking, and I was like, oh, my God. We missed a great opportunity to make an egg pun. These are two ways you can eat your eggs. You don't want to miss an egg pun. And then I was like, I got it. And when Max Fried's taking his warm-up, we let the masses know that this was an excellent oh one-two punch for the Braves. By the way, what's, uh, what, what's your favorite way to eat eggs? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, James, James is a big egg guy. I'm a huge egg James guy. James will make frittatas. I do make some frittatas. I mean, it's more like an omelet. Mark just calls them frittatas because they're a little bit thick. I mean, omelets. So you're not baking it. Like a frittata is like yeah, a, you can bake a frittata. On, mine's in a pan. Or mine's a microwave. Yeah, I thought yeah. there was a quiche. Oh, that is a quiche. Not, <laughs> not the same thing? <laughs> I think it's similar. <laughs> big three favorite way to eat eggs. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I eat my eggs one way. I'll just get out of the way. I scramble There's them. nothing worse than a scramble. A fried egg also hits the spot in the right way. Sandwich, stacking things together. Yeah, yeah. bagel. It's elite. Oh, fried egg. I, I guess I do eat a fried egg. Sriracha, not of course. Only. Yeah, John's the sriracha king over there. James, what did you pick your favorite? Uh, if I, it's like if I'm like, if I'm like, this is it. This is my last time to eat eggs in my life. I'll probably like take the time make an omelet. Yeah, you make more when we live together. You made more omelets than I've seen in my entire life. Yeah, a lot of time we lived together. I had yeah. a nice relaxing afternoon. <laughs> it was COVID. It wasn't it was, like it was now. We had nothing else to do. It was um, cook, play video games, yeah. hang out on the balcony, yeah, and play some beer. Die. That was pretty much it. Basically, the entire COVID for us. And Max Scherzer just get back to baseball for a brief moment. It's just we talked about him ending this game before. He struck out the side in that seventh inning on 15 pitches to yeah. end his day. Like, he was he was like I'm better than you. It's unbelievable. I'm sick. I said why flashed that you said it before, but it was like. Nolan Ryan and Ryan Johnson, I think, are like 100 games of multi-strikeouts ahead no, of... I think that, yeah. Ahead of Scherzer, Pedro, and somebody else. I think Clemens. Clemens, yeah. But Clemens is 110, so Max is about to catch him, too. Okay, so it was, just, it was just Ryan and Johnson, then, who have like 200 games of uh, double-digit strikeouts. And the other, other top five guys have... It's like... Uh, like single digit? No. No, tr- just oh, 100. 100. 100. 200 versus 100. Yeah. I mean, if Max Scherzer didn't miss that time, he's he, he's in the Cy Young conversation. He's probably the favorite. I mean, he's probably going to throw as many innings as like Tony Gonsolin and like Corbin Burns last year. Like, why can't he win the Cy Young with the elite stats? 1.98 ERA. Uh, pretty. Pr- I think the whip is like in the eights. He's pretty good. He's so pretty good, good, this Max Scherzer guy. He's not bad. John, I know you had a trivia thing for us, which we haven't done in a while. I'm, I'm interested. And I know you love this. I love this. Yeah, well, so this is an easy one. It's not like, easy. you know, 10, 11. It's only, it's only three other guys. So Max Scherzer, okay. obviously, just turned 38. Um, the night he beat the Yankees on July 27th. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes. he strikes out 11 last night. So he became the fourth different Mets pitcher with 10 or more strikeouts in a game, age 38 or older. So I want you guys to guess, do you know the other three? And my clue is that all three were Mets in our lifetime. Okay. So okay. we're not going back. How about it? Okay, I got one. Al Leiter. That's great. Let's go. Weird one. Chris Young. Not Chris. He was not 38 when he pitched yeah, for the Mets. No, no, no. no. Uh, I'm going to go with Pedro. No. He was not 38. No, but a teammate of Pedro's is one of them. Oh. Oh, a teammate of Pedro's. A teammate of Pedro's. Tom Glavin? 
Tom Glavin is correct. Okay. And another Glavin teammate of Pedro's. Un- so, whoa, we're thinking another one here, too. Was on the this is the tricky one. El Duque? Wow. Let's go. Good job. Let's wow. go. Let's go. Get hot. Get hot. Dude, here's the thing. Crushed him. I'm so, through all the sporkles that I've done in my lifetime <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for my YouTube channel, which is a shocking amount that people love those, but hey, I'll keep doing them. I, Mid-2000s baseball, I'm so cash money. Like That's I have crazy. A, I got nothing I have there. a ridiculous... I'll just start naming players. Adam, en- Adam Ensberg. Oh, we were doing this the other no, night. Morgan, Morgan Ensberg. Ensberg. Adam, yeah. Everett, <laughs> Adam Everett. Adam Everett. Like, just some guys. David Eckstein. David Eckstein. Yeah, Ugh. we we could yeah. just sit around naming players Mabry. for hours. John Mabry. Oh, don't, I don't <laughs> like that one. That guy was not very good. Brian Giles. Brian Giles. Oh, Marcus. Marcus. Of the Braves. No, Marcus was the Marcus, Braves legend. Marcus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't right. think he was a legend. Anyway. It's a legend for us. Great way. <sighs> great way. Trevor May got in this game, too. He did. Which was nice. I mean, he gave up a run. I think him Gibbons, and Givens. Givens did, too. Yeah, they'll be better. It's fine. We won the game. What do we care? Absolutely. Tom Wasnito with the hardest hit ball of this game. 104.9 off the bat. Just love to see that. Love it. Lace double it. got Swing a rally going. Really well yeah. recently. Pete had a funky, funny slide at home on a play that was reviewed that was, like, so close. Travis Arno, shout out him for half a second because he made, like, a catch. Yeah. On his right foot and like spun around in midair and got a tag down like on his left foot. We still saw, wasn't in time though. We saw Pete come out and do the. Yeah. He, he kind of gave. I'm gonna draw parallels here. It's David Wright esque with that with that fist pump after that. Uh, you know the Mets buried the Nationals in Washington. Absolutely. Also, Naquin got his insurance with an RBI single or double. Tomas Nido brought him in with a safety squeeze. Second Mets squeeze this year. This was a family affair. Everybody was yes. getting involved. Team win. Scherzer said at the end of the game it was a big team win. And it led us into Sunday. Yes. The so, final game. We're slogging through these five here. Also. Before we do that, second doubleheader sweep against the Braves this year. Oh yeah, yeah, it's back in point. May. Yeah, I forgot about. We, were we there? We were there. We, were we there. got on TV with the seven line. Yeah, that was. Oh, we did get on TV. Yeah, that's right. I forgot Ooh. about that. Love that. Oh. Going into Sunday, mm-hmm. the big day. <laughs> also, before this, one oh, more. Yeah, stop me again. <laughs> Go for it. What do you got? Because we, we, we were hanging at that at that bar in LIC and we're watching this game. SNY is like started to pepper in some like analytics like tables. Oh, yeah, that was funny. It was like home run percentage, hit percentage, strikeout percentage. But the word instead of like the percent sign, they were using PCT as like the percentages. Extra base hit percentage was bizarre. Home run percentage is so low for everybody that it's nonsense. And also sad. they were using no decimal places. So it was like 1%, 2%, 1%, 1%, 2%, 2%, 2%, 2%. It's like, all right, what is this telling me? Like, you tried to tell me that he's bad? Is he good? I don't know. What is the comparison know. of this? Oh, God. And first time the Mets were 30 games over 500 since 2006 after this win. Pretty good team in 2006. Really, pretty good one, yeah. Pretty good one. Not, not, not too shabby. Now can I talk about Sunday? Yes. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm excited to talk about Sunday. Yeah. Because not only do we get the series, four wins in the series on this day, but we got Jacob DeGrom making his season debut in City Field, and I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps. When Simple Man came spiritual. on. It was spiritual. I'm so mad I missed it. It was so sick. I was just, I was out in... I got caught in so much traffic coming from Brooklyn. It was ridiculous. Hey, you sprinted here. I, I was literally, I was sweating. Mark saw me like dripping off my face, like sweat in the first inning. Follow us on Instagram at Messed Up. That video yeah, is still I, up there. I put a crazy video out there. It was like really running through the parking lot while Simple Man was playing, just like... MFing the traffic. And we were at the game in Washington. Yeah, we and were. We were talking about the Mets fans cheering for the pitches. Yeah. When Jacob DeGrom came out to Simple Man, there yeah. was like everybody it was like it was like they said all rise. <laughs> like everybody stood up. And then all of a sudden he started throwing pitches and everyone was like, Yeah, yeah. And they threw the first pitch, which was a fly out to right field for Sawing Marte, and everyone's like, It's it's happening again. Like it's been so long. DeGrom, even after the game, DeGrom was a little giddy. And I yeah. he was smiling, he was happy, and he was like it's he, a ball player. He talked about like he wasn't nervous, but he got the the feelings again of like, oh yeah, I'm 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 back. I'm here at City Field. The fans were amazing all day. He gave shout out to the fans as well. This guy, he's a different pitcher when this or this team's a different team when he's pitching. Yeah, it's clear. Even we got Jeff Passan of ESPN who hates the Mets to, to actually talk about how <laughs> talk about how different this team seems with Jacob Degrom. I, I I wrote this entire section of our outline in caps because I was so. Happy to watch Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, we won't scream it, but it's yeah. it's something that I would consider screaming. <laughs> Perfect through five and two-thirds innings, 12 strikeouts, the most strikeouts by a Mets pitcher in a start this season, and only five and two-thirds innings. I, I kind of forgot he was perfect for almost yeah, right? six innings in this game. <laughs> Double the strikeout total from last week in Washington or earlier this week in Washington. Struck out. He struck out at every single hitter in the Braves lineup at least once. This is a pretty good lineup. The Braves swung and missed at the first 18 sliders thrown. And then until Michael Harris, who ended up drawing... No, he didn't draw the walk. Adriano drew the walk. Yeah. So with five, five and a third through, no Braves hitter touched the slider. No. They were... He's so unbelievable. He's just... He got, he got 18 whiffs on 20 swings. That's the most whiff on a pitch. Most whiffs on a pitch with at least 20 swings against it in the pitch tracking era. That's 2008, right, John? Yes, yes. And I know that he gave the home run to Dansby, but 
this dude is just, he's so incredibly good. He, he, you watch him on the mound, and you kind of forget because it's been a year. Yeah. You watch him pitch, you're like, oh, yeah, he's the best pitcher on the planet. And it's really not even that close, in my opinion. And it was crazy to see that he had this amazing outing, did give up that home run to Dansby. Just with Jacob DeGrom, throws the, fa- the fastball. While it's impossible to hit, when you do hit it, it's going to go. It's 102 miles an hour up in the, up in the zone, yeah. usually. And he came out of the game after that, got a massive ovation from the South Queens faithful. And he got in the dugout and just slammed that glove on the ground. Which is something we don't see from DeGrom too often. We don't see no. that kind of emotion. But honestly... He got thrown into a middle of a pennant race here. Yeah. One of the most important games like, of the season. No, I kind of I kind of like it. I like a little emotion. I've always talked about the Mets needing more edge previous yeah, years. Absolutely. And the Mets, this we team's some got this some edges yeah. here. Which, Buck almost got thrown out in the first inning. Yeah, he's... That he's dumb call. Talking about... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about that. The Nimmo play. Uh, if you guys remember, the Nimmo slide in the baseline with Williams Acevedo in Miami. It happened again against the Braves. And the umpires botched it. Totally I mean, botched. absolute botched job here. They Called him. Same play, different call. Different call. Different call. They said, you're right. He wasn't tagged, so he's safe. So the call that he was out on the tag was overturned. But Shout out Harrison, still over 80, I believe over 80% still in our video reviews. He, sh- he should be. He's a beast a out legend. there. One of the best in the, I think the best He's in the, the league, best actually. in the business. But then they said that because Nimmo got tagged again afterwards, like after they threw the ball yeah. first or whatever, that he was still out. And it was like, well, you... You basically blew the whistle. I, I believe the Marlins did that. Yeah, that the Marlins time did the exact same yeah. thing. So it's like dumb. you blew the whistle if you're playing in football or basketball, so and then you're like, oh, well, you didn't keep running? The whistle was blown. Like, that's yeah. in football when the whistle's blown. Well, that's why a lot of guys in football, even like half a joke, they will just pick up a ball, run to the end zone. Yeah. Get, get, next play, doesn't matter. Just run to the end zone just in case. It was just, it was horrible. Buck, Buck said that if the Mets, I think, had, it was either more or less pitchers available today. I don't remember what way he was going. No, he he meant like, like, if there are more pitchers available, like, no, it's. And maybe it was less. I think if there was less available, yeah. that he would have just gotten tossed. He's like, I would have been out of here quickly. He's yeah. like, uh, so I would have had the, you know, I got to buy Christmas presents. He knew he was talking <laughs> about fines, which I don't know, Buck. I think someone can handle that for and you. And Nimmo also had a really funny quote just talking about DeGrom and getting upset with the glove throwing. He said that Jacob DeGrom is so competitive that if they were playing tiddlywinks, he'd really want to win. I don't even know what that is. I think tiddlywinks is a game where you like pull out straws from a cylinder, and I think you don't want them to drop. Oh, that's tiddlywinks? I believe so. Seems like a fun game for that, a fourth grader. Brandon Nimmo. Has probably played his fair share of tiddlywinks in yeah. Wyoming or wherever. Yeah, he's like from. day to day by day. Yeah, Do they, they have high school tiddlywinks in Wyoming. <laughs> they don't have high school baseball, <laughs> so you know he was playing tiddlywinks. <laughs> what, was, what was like that classic like fourth grade snack at the end of the birthday party? Like muddy something, like dirt. Muddy buddies? No, it was like it was like a big thing of dirt, but it was like chocolate and gummy worms. Mudslide? M- maybe something like that. Yeah, <laughs> someone someone brought it up to me the other day, and I was like, I can't believe you just said that, but like I know exactly what you're talking chocolate about. Chocolate pudding, Oreo crumbles, yeah, and, and like gummy, gummy worms. worms. Yeah. yeah, that thing is elite. Uh, oh my that was a TGIF special right there. Also, I got we're talking about Jacob Degrom a lot. He pitched really well in this game. We gotta shout somebody else out. It's Joely Rodriguez. Big for, big for the James Shadow oh, legacy. Oh my god. He's been pretty bad recently too, so I haven't been talking about him as much, of course. But wow, did Joely Rodriguez find a way to save this game? The Mets did not have a lot of relievers available after the double header and I think seven games in seven days, like going back to yeah. last week and Joely Rodriguez got seven outs. He came back out for the second inning after getting like a quick out to Matt Olson, yeah, we're like, the Joelle oh, no. special. Yeah. And we were like, oh, another one. Austin Riley. Austin Riley, like the middle of this order. Okay, Joelle. And then he came out for a second inning. <laughs> felt or, like my soul was leaving my body. And we were like, oh boy, like this just, I, I guess this is what they have to do. We're like, where's Donis Medina? He's warming up. This guy uh, should be ready to go. But it didn't matter. Joelle supremacy was here. Seven outs, four strikeouts. Through 21 changeups and 30 pitches thrown, which sure. is by far his highest changeup rate of the season. And then we had more than 10 pitches, which if it's going like that, the pitcher got nine whiffs on 13 swings. That's what you got to do. Most whiffs he's ever had in outing his career. And that, that's just on the changeup. <laughs> and he had four Ks too, which were the most he ever had in an outing as well in his career. And the offense just smoked the ball all day. Dude, I remember Pete everywhere. hitting a laser beam down the line that didn't bounce off anything else. That was smoked. Uh, who uh, else? Starling Marte crushed the ball. Crushed one, crushed yeah. Lindor. Oh, yeah. Lindor was smoking Mark the ball. Mark hit one probably 135 miles an hour into you, the alley. Have you checked that back Michael the Harris box? played perfectly. Yeah, if you check back the box score, what did the Mets have? I think I think <sighs> 10 hits versus two from the Braves. Yeah, 10, 10 line drives. It sounds you got to like get really lucky. You, you, you can't be. Yeah, you got to be super lucky. Super to lucky. 10 hits and score five runs. Dude, imagine, imagine how lucky you have to be to score two runs on two hits Spencer Strider you gotta be so lucky what a loser that I can't guy believe was. he said that that's that right there that almost killed my love because I mean I don't love Spencer Strider but I love him as a pitcher I just I, I, I respect good pitching and he does have good really stuff but yeah, that, fantastic. that that's minus two respect points oh four minus four uh, respect yeah, points it, whining after you just got just throw punched by your rival two and two thirds dude like you just you didn't have it Dylan Lee didn't seem to complain after the game Dylan oh Lee wasn't God. complaining, but Spencer Schreider was. 
What a baby. Clemson, what can you what can you expect? Spencer just couldn't get out. I don't even got out of the third inning. He couldn't really throw strikes a lot of the time. John got a stat here. Went to three balls and six of the 16 batters faced. I mean, that's must, what, be, must be so unlucky. You're throwing pitches out of the strike zone. So unlucky. That's what happens when you play in a little city like Atlanta. Oh, that's yeah. It's cute. No, small it's a cute, market. It's a nice, cute city. Yeah, nice, cute city. Small market. Really, yeah. really family family environment, right? Everybody yeah. knows everybody. You of know course, your neighbors. Yeah, that's what Atlanta's like. Come to the big city with the big lights. Spencer yeah. Strider couldn't handle it. The apple. Yeah. He went from Clemson to Atlanta, Ugh. now to a New York. It's like he's he born in Columbus, though. Shout out Columbus. Like go in a foreign country. <laughs> it's just, this was too much fun. We got we got a good shot of the Vogelbach rounding third base on Marcana's laser beam. He until scored on a hit from, he scored from first on a hit. As, and you hit the ball so hard. Amazing he did that. Yeah. Lind- Lindor scored from first on that Pete uh, double. Yeah, the cr- uh, the smoked ball. No, down yeah, the line. the line drive. Yeah, yeah the line perfectly drive. Perfectly placed line drive. Absolutely. Lindor scored the run in 10 straight games, tied with Melvin Moore for longest such streak by a shortstop in Mets history. And no, John's happy about talking Melvin Moore's you shortstop. threw that one in there. Well, it's relevant, you know, going back to, uh, what was that, last, last episode, episode yeah. episodes ago? I think so. Yeah, yeah, and then I saw that, and I was like, wow, this is a, this is a nice, I, I'm telling you, it was a bad trade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a bad when trade. I said it, I meant it. It was a bad trade. Melvin Mora, oh, we man. miss you. We could have had the prime Melvin Mora in that 2006 run. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. We're talking about prime Melvin Mora over here. How about prime Edwin Diaz? Prime Edwin Diaz. I mean, we don't have to talk about it anymore. It's just like, it's not he's even just, funny. He's unhittable. It's, it's crazy. People, people in the stands are chanting his name. Chanting they his name. They see people wanted him gone. They wanted him banished. They wanted to throw him in the Hudson River. I used to not watch Edwin Diaz pitch. No. There I mean, was a period of time where we lived together when when he came into the game, I went into another room and I would not watch. I never wavered. Mark, Mark him back me up on that. Hey, listen, I was wrong. I'm, ha- I'm so <laughs> happy to be wrong. I'm so happy because... <laughs> I also see this note that Gary called Daniel Vogelbach running around the, vase, around the base is 270 feet of magic. Which, yeah, I mean... Daniel, how many times in Daniel Vogelback's <laughs> life do you think he's ran 270 feet in consecutive motion? Besides in a baseball field? I don't, or including even, a baseball even field. Even including a baseball field. Because, like, he's not running on home runs. That's a, that's a jog. That's like a, that's a, a saunter, I yeah, think. A saunter. <laughs> that's a saunter. This is also, I was thinking about this before. This is the first time Daniel Vogelback's ever been, like, a real lineup. Yeah. Like, going from the, Mar- the bad Mariners of three years ago to the Pirates. Like, he's got hitters around him. He's, like, putting the bat on the ball. He's been incredible. He's an on-base Freaking machine. Freaking awesome. Him he and Ruff, man. Best so DH in baseball. God, well, this was just such a good win. It really was. It was, like, I don't know. These last three games, his mess, his mess didn't trail. We're chilling. They got 70 wins. They have the same wins as those New York Yankees. Are, <laughs> right? Since the second, since the, uh, since the beginning of the third inning on... On Friday, the Mets are outscoring the Braves. They got five in that game. They scored four after the third. I'm not, not going to do all this math, but yeah. the Mets are dominating them. Dominating the Braves since the, the, the explosion on Friday afternoon. And I think evening. it's a good way to kind of wrap up the series, too, to compare the differences between this Mets and this Braves team. Both teams good. Yeah. But we, both, we still agree that the Braves are a good team. We poke our Quite fun good. at them, but they are a good team. We know that. But the differences between these teams were kind of stark in these last three games in that the Mets were able to score 19 runs without a single home run. Which is kind That's of crazy. And we talked about this earlier in the year that Zausmer, Epler, all these guys yeah. were building this team for this exact reason. They want a guys that put the ball field. in play who don't strike out, that make you work long, hard counts. They make you like go deep into the game. You have to use a lot of your bullpen. And if you don't have that deep bullpen, if you don't have those weapons, you start to really feel the pressure. And again, unlike on the other side of that, the Mets, we talked about having their two big horses the last two games of the series. The Braves also did. Yeah. Like Max Free and Spencer Strider are hands down, not even just like they're two of the best pitchers in the Braves. They've also been two of the best pitchers in the National League this entire year. And the difference with these guys versus the Mets guys is stark because the Mets can take pitches against those two guys. The Mets can, like, get a couple of knocks that maybe you shouldn't have gone through against those guys. And you kind of see them, like, kind of lose it a little bit. You try to get knocked out in the third inning. Like Max Freed face-planted trying to make a play, yeah, which I couldn't believe play. how hard he hit the know, ground. That was, like, bad. for a guy who's a, actually He almost decent, got blown up to at first base. Oh, yeah. Like, for a guy who's, like, a kind of decent athlete, that was, like, the least athletic thing I've seen someone do in a long time, just face-plant into the ground. And the other difference between these lineups, the Mets struck out 19 Atlanta Braves on Sunday. It's a franchise record for a nine-inning game. So many. It's ridiculous. Like, the counter was, like, almost full over there in left field. They had to, like, they had to make the K's smaller so that they could <laughs> fit the ball. I mean, home runs are nice, and I, I still we want only, the Mets We only hit. get 27 outs. Yeah. Braves only put the ball in play a couple, like, 10 times total. Two yeah. hits, eight fielding outs. That's actually crazy. Mets, Braves about. put the ball in play 10 times on Sunday. 10 times. Mets had 10 hits. But the Mets got lucky. Yeah, no, the Braves. I mean, you only put the ball in play 10 times. You should get eight hits. Everyone forgot. But, oh, but Braves luck. This is the Braves. The Mets seem lucky to the Braves because they're one of the luckiest Baseball teams we've ever seen. Adam, Adam Duvall yeah. won the World Series. Jorge Soler won an MVP. Jorge's MVP. Eddie Rosario. Ugh, Eddie Rosario. Guillermo Heredia. Ugh. I mean, they were pulling Jesse Chavez out of the bullpen last year. Tucker Davidson fooled the Angels, and they <laughs> traded for him because they're like, oh, remember when you pitched in the playoffs? Like, 
I don't want to hear the lucky thing. The Mets are just a straight up good team. And yeah. Unlike our Braves counterparts, we have respect for our opponents at of times. Of course, yeah. Uh, we have knowledge of baseball, and we will say the Braves are a good team. Where they really they good team. continue to talk trash, and you just look at the records and you go, oh, Mets are seventy and thirty nine in first place with a six and a half game lead. Must be luck. It's just thank God the Mets had all these games to play against the Braves. So while the Braves are playing against the Phillies, the Nationals, the Cubs, like the Mets can play them and lengthen the division lead back yes. out. Yeah. Like if the Mets played the Braves every game, it seems like we'd be winning this division by an infinite <laughs> amount of games. Yeah, thank goodness they don't get the oh playoffs my God. all the time. Right? Like the Braves really screwed their season up by having to play against the Mets. Dude, we're so lucky. We've seen 17 starts from DeGrom and Scherzer in a season. So yeah. lucky. <laughs> the Mets are so lucky that they played the Braves eight times. They've won six of them. So lucky. The last like month. Oh, I love my uh, I love my text on Anna texting me. Oh god, but just mother running through just things that have happened this series. Pete Alonso got his ninety fifth RBI of the season on Sunday. He had ninety four all of last year. If you guys are riding with the messed up podcast for the Pete Alonso RBI bet, we're in a sweat right now. You're really yeah. ready to make some cash. Um Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom in these games, twelve and two thirds innings pitched, twenty three strikeouts, two earned, one walk, five hits. Come like come on, that's that's pretty unbelievable. Jeff McNeil, ten game hitting streak. Mentioned Lindor before, scored the run 10 straight games. Edwin Diaz struck out 12 of the 19 Braves he's faced this season. You kidding me? It's unbelievable. The vibes are so good right now. Uh, Everyone was chanting, let's go Mets. That's when you know going down the ramps and down the stairwell when you're hearing a let's go Mets chant. It's awesome. I put out on Twitter on on ours, at Mets Up, asking how everyone feels. Some funny ones. Ron Pope, who's a musician that uh, follows the stuff. Great guy. Like, Mr. Met could jump on my back and I'd run through a wall. Not just run <laughs> through a wall himself. He'll put Mr. Met on his back and do it with him. Oh, my God. That's a good one. You got any others? I got some more in here. A Scroll couple around. people were just, <laughs> I mean, like, you get the World Series champions lock, which yeah. I, I'm not going there. I'm not no, pulling not a salicata by any means. Confident but not cocky. Still a lot of season to go from J-Dog. That dude's a, a very yeah, loyal listener. So shout out to him. A little more confident. Better than ever. Pretty freaking good. These are the quintessential three outcome teams. Swing for the fence or just miss. Like, yeah. I I think right now, there's some inappropriate ones we can't say, but <laughs> I think right now the vibes are at the highest it's been all season for the Mets, and it's a great time to be a Mets podcaster, too. No, it's an amazing time. <laughs> you also look at the schedule, like, oh, next Monday, we've got the Braves again. Yeah. Four games in Atlanta. In Atlanta. <laughs> it's like, we... Yeah. We get a little break maybe with the Reds, which we'll talk about that here in a couple minutes after we do our fun no, stuff. But yeah, after the Reds, it goes Phillies, Braves, Phillies, Yankees. Yeah. So the 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 toughest part of the schedule for the rest of the year is probably coming up right now. No. I mean, the toughest part of the schedule, I think we almost kind of got through a few weeks ago, like right before the All-Star break. That's fair, yeah. But this is another. This, this, is, this is the last one in the regular season that's really intense. And the Mets were able to make up some ground there. Yeah, no, that, a little more just, got, just got to play against the Braves. You want to like get the division lead. All right, so let's go ahead and do our fun stuff for this episode. Now we have the Estimate and the Big Three. Let's start off with the Estimate. John, what do you got for us this time? After I have I... a huge congratulations for you. That's what I have. Woo! The monkey's off your back. Thank God. How does it feel? Um, it feels like I'm 100 pounds lighter. It feels like <laughs> I could put yeah. Mr. Met on my back and run through a wall. <laughs> hey, uh, taking that I'm from a Mrs. Met, too. Throw her on. Yeah, also. I'll throw her yeah, on, too. Why not? Man. I mean... Put me on the mound. I'm pumping 99 right now. Yeah, the I mean, big part about this is so the three Mets trade deadline acquisitions. Tyler Naquin, Darren Ruff, Daniel Vogel back. Ten hits in this series, three home runs. Two, all three by Naquin? Vogel back had one. Vogel back, Vogel back had yeah. one. I forgot the back-to-back on Thursday, right? And ALRBIs. So you needed, you, needed, you needed the boys to go like a little bit better than 300 to win you this, and they did it. Yeah, I, I believed. And that's a very common thing for the Mets fans. So, John, <laughs> what is our estimate this time? Well, I was going to say, if you win this one, a winning streak. So it's a, don't, don't let me get hot. Don't let me get hot. You smell a comeback right now? And if anyone needs a winning streak, it's Mark. All right, so you said you feel like you can go out and pump 99 right now. Yeah. And that is thematic because this week's estimate is the total number of strikeouts in the upcoming three-game series with the Reds mm-hmm. by the Diaz brothers. And some numbers to back that up. Alexis has a 31.4% strikeout rate on the season. It's pretty good. Pretty it's respectable. Really good. Sub not, uh, sub one whip, too. So he's a really nice year. He's a good pitcher. Yes. Definitely a good pitcher. Edwin says that Alexis' slider is better than his own. That's He's being modest. Possible. No, yeah. that can't be true. I know <laughs> it can't be true. But like he's being nice. The slider is good, though. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. Absolutely. Edwin, including today's outing, a 52.9% K rate, which doesn't make sense. No. And quite frankly, he's on pace for one of the best uh, regular seasons by a reliever ever. But we could discuss that at another time. So total strikeouts, three-game series. Uh, Mark, actually, James, you got to go first again. You still have a four-game lead. Got to go first. We're changing the rules because oh, I'm winning. Thank yes. God. Oh, that's, t- that's <laughs> thank so dumb. I have a num- right. I have a number I'm, I have in my head. Okay, I'm gonna say. Don't you say it. Don't you say my number. If you say my number, I'm gonna scream. I'm not gonna <laughs> like it. I'm gonna be like, you should have let me pick. But this is, I guess, this is the game I play. Letting you set the line. 
Six. Oh, no. <laughs> That's the exact number I I'm had. saying it's like, should have gone first. I thought four for Edwin, two for Alexis. <laughs> oh, that's so messed go up. Go with six. I'm going to go over. Yeah, that's I'm going to go right over. Smart. I think I have to go over with that one because yeah, there's a world it. where Edwin gets six strikeouts on his own. Yeah. And Alexis is good for probably one. I also I like this because there is also a world where maybe Edwin Diaz gets one inning and Alexis gets also one inning in the yeah. series. Bacon one blowout. So think, I'm happy to go six or under. Six is really good. Yeah. Damn it. Thanks for letting me set the line, John. Yeah, John, you killed me on that <laughs> one. I'm trying to help you out. I mean, the first four, you you went first, and James just undercut you by one. You gave me numbers that I could understand this time. There weren't. You didn't ask me for pitches. You <laughs> yeah. gave me something that was very quantifiable. Pitches was abstract. Yeah, very quantifiable. You gave me the K rates. I, I literally ran the numbers. I was like, two for Alexis, four for Edwin. That's like what the uh, numbers tell me. Just, just strike, just strike everyone out again, Edwin. That's all I'm asking for. I don't even care what your brother does. Just you get all the strikeouts, yeah. and I'll be happy. We'll see. We'll see. I'm pretty confident there because I feel like Edwin's not is definitely not pitching Monday. Uh, no, he could. You think? Uh, no, I don't probably, so. probably definitely not. not. Yeah, yeah, definitely probably not. not. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Tuesday, Wednesday are in play. Hundred percent. Yeah, probably. Yeah, good chance he pitches both, depending. But also, I'm banking with my number a blowout, Mets win blowout. Yeah, that would be. You know what? I'll be happy to lose that one if the Mets are blowing out the Reds. Okay, I'm okay perfect. with that. I'll swallow my pride there. Now for our big three. I think we agreed we're going to talk about what the worst things about Atlanta for our big three. Absolutely. That's yeah, an easy one. I, I'm always down to trash Atlanta because, sure. I mean, is it even a city? It's a town, basically. No, it's, it's a glorified it's a, it's a, town. It's a cute suburb. It's like a county. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, south, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Anything anything south of New York. Like, <laughs> but anything south of New Jersey doesn't even count. <laughs> it depends where you are in New Jersey. Well, we know that Philadelphia is, doesn't. that's not real, so... Philly, West of LA. Yeah. West of Philly, East of LA. Big three. I think, uh, John, you want to start this one off? I know you were very passionate about yours when we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's got to be the uh, the Atlanta Thrashers, RIP. Uh, <laughs> for crazy. all my not hockey fan friends all the out there. podcast clicking off. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. I guess that's the risk. Uh, what a stress. Talk about the airport. I feel like that's yeah. just as boring, if not worse. Although the airport does suck. It does. Um, yeah, I mean, there was an NHL team in Atlanta in the 70s, the Atlanta Flames. They go to Calgary. The NHL says, we'll give it another try. They put the Thrashers in. Phillips Arena at the time was what it was called. And uh, it didn't work. It didn't work. I mean, they had some crazy, crazy uniform combinations they tried. I don't believe they even won a playoff game during their time in Atlanta. The Rangers swept them in 07. Shout out Michael Nylander. Big hat trick in that series. <laughs> <These> nice. <good> <laughs> Michael Nylander. I always thought Michael Nylander's name was funny because he played in New York. And I think Not he was, for the Islanders. I think he was traded to New York. Oh, he was also a Ranger at some point. You no, know, yeah. He did play for the Rangers. Didn't play for the Islanders. Should have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But NY Lander. He landed in New York. Look at that. I never thought of that. Yeah, I huh. only looked at the Islander uh, way of that. There was also a guy named Paul Ranger play for the Lightning, but I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your pick is the Thrashers. My pick is the Atlanta Thrashers. I mean, why? Just why? It never had a chance. It, it was just, it was the worst idea ever. And the people of Atlanta are to blame for this. You know, that team did have some stars. Ilya Kovalchuk. Yes, that's the guy I was thinking of. I was between him and Brizgalov. Is that another Ilya guy? Ilya He didn't, I don't think he played for them. Yeah, I, I he knew he was for an Philly. Ilya, though. I knew it was an Ilya. There's, there's a lot of Ilyas out there. Danny Heatley, another superstar. Marion Harsa. There was a lot of talent. Kari okay. Lettinen, former first overall pick. And um, it was just an epic disaster. Their attendance was reminiscent of what we see for Braves playoff games. Okay, I'm going oh, okay. Atlanta. Hey, Sorry. Bang, hey, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> That's good. Leading into my worst things about Atlanta is closing out championship games. <laughs> That's a rough one for them because we remember the Atlanta Falcons being up 28-3 to against the Patriots. And, yeah. and even if they would have just simply run the ball another one extra time or what was the play? It was like a holding or a sack, something crazy. Oh, yeah, that it took a game. crazy sack. Yeah, someone took a crazy sack, took him out of field goal range. Literally all I needed was to make the two-possession game to end that. That was rough. Also, people, there's so many chokes from like the Falcons that people forget about Georgia. Yeah. University of Georgia, who Atlanta, I think, claims more often than not. Definitely. Blowing multiple. I know they just won their big one this year, so congratulations to them. Finally got to beat Alabama. Before that, blew a couple SEC title games late. They blew that crazy game when two would through the overtime touchdown. That was rough. So, shout out Atlanta. Blowing games. For me, I mean, if you're a Knicks fan, there's one guy that you think of, and it's Trey Young. I, I can't say the saying on here because we try to keep it remotely family-friendly, but Trey Young is like one of the worst things that's happened to Atlanta. Oh, the yeah. guy is a prolific scorer. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But he is just a prolific loser. This yeah. guy, besides, besides the like series against the Knicks, I feel like he doesn't really do anything that's important. Not much. I don't know if he has a big game bone in his entire body. I also found out that Trey's not even his real first name. No, what is, is it? Rayford Trey Young? I think Rayford might be cooler. Rayford oh, he might, might be, be the third. He could be a third. Oh, no. His middle name is Trey, it That's says. worse. He's got bad hair. Bad. I mean, the I, actually, he's not bad hair. 
He's some of the worst hair <laughs> I'd say on earth. He looks like one of those little troll dolls from the 90s. I'm all for the bald. I'm not a bald shamer. Larry David, of course. Oh, no, yeah. I'm, Absolute legend. We no, have respect. We, we don't hate on the bald. Any, any, anyone in this room could become bald at some point in their life. I won't shame point. baldness. No, but that being said, you have to pick, you have to pick a side. Yeah. You can't be Trey Young and have a little bit of hair, but you also, also be bald. You, you can't quit like 21 years old like no. Trey Young is. You just buzz it back. Like, imagine, imagine how dumb Trey Young would look if he was bald, like totally hairless. You know what that's like, With a headband over the bald head. If he was a winner, he would have the dedication to do that because the hair hasn't won him anything thus far. No. So if he, I mean, we saw Cody Bellinger shave his head. That's a guy who was trying to do something didn't to make work. something happen. It didn't work. <laughs> but he was at least trying. Trey Young, this guy's just content with scoring 25 a game. Not Getting, playing defense. Filling the stat sheet. He's a modern-day Russell Westbrook, basically. Oh, he's not as impactful as Russell Westbrook was in his prime. At least Russell Westbrook was getting triple doubles. At least Russell Westbrook was, like, going crazy on the court trying to win. He's a stat stuffer. That's all Trey Young is. He'll yeah. never win anything, and he can go ahead and be irrelevant in Atlanta till the end of time. Definitely. Yep. Any others, guys? No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, you could talk about the traffic. You could talk about the airport. Yeah. There's the airport plenty of things. The, the, the humidity. The tomahawk chop. That's awful. I mean, ugh. What do they even, like, do they have a famous food in, I guess, barbecue? But, Fried like, chicken, every other wings, big barbecue city is better. Yes. I would never wings. say you have to go to Atlanta to get wings. there. I wouldn't even say you have to go there for their wings. No, you don't have to go there, but if you're there, you should eat them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, wins are well, good anywhere. Atlanta, Atlanta has delivered us a lot of great rap music from this era. For sure. Can't say it. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the Gucci Mane autobiography is something that was a, it's a page turner. Yeah. I mean, they, they've got good music. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah. Hope, I mean, we all, we're all, we're all, you know, hopefully Young Thug will, will work the situation out. Yeah, shout out uh, Rico. But anyway, <laughs> you guys could let us know on Twitter who you think had the best of the big three, as we always do. And tell us what you hate about most about Atlanta. Yeah, we'd love to hear it. Oh, I want to talk to Sports, talk, sports talk Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That, that's the worst one. That guy is the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't really want to mention him. He's probably talking about Ty Algier right now and how great he looked in Falcons camp. <laughs> I don't know who you just named. <laughs> he was the BYU running back. He was one of the most prolific college division running backs in the last three years. He was the BYU running he back. He was incredible. He was like 2,000 yards a year. That guy was awesome. Algier. He was incredible. Not a name. I'm he was one of the with. most athletic Mormons we've seen this era. <laughs> Better than Jimmer? Uh, different type of athlete. You know, more physically athletic rather than Jimmer was more skill and finesse. Jimmer changed the game. Steph Curry gets all the credit <laughs> for changing the game. Jimmer did it first. Jimmer, he, he walked. Jimmer he can't crawled. walk down the streets in China without getting mobbed by a crowd. <laughs> yeah, Steph Curry. I'm sure Steph Curry probably can't either. Yeah, no. But Not Jimmer, Marbury. Jimmer yeah, crawled no so Marbury. Steph could walk. Is that what they say? Are you sh- I think Steph Curry was in the league before Jimmer. Nah, Jimmer, I'm Jimmer almost, did I'm, it first. I am almost positive Steph Curry was in the NBA before Jimmer was prolific. Jimmer made it cool. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> Anyway, well, we've we've been talking a lot about BYU and Mormons. and Mormons in general. Let's go ahead and wrap up this episode here by doing the series preview against the Reds. It's a quick one. Not a very good team, but they're also no. not that bad. No, they're not that bad. We mentioned that when we played them two weeks ago. They're, like, nearing 500 since they had that awful 20-game losing streak early in the year. Like, they're fine. They did get a lot worse, though, because there's no Luis Castillo. <laughs> yeah, that's significantly worse. There's no Brandon Drury. Yeah, that's the, good. The, those are those um, all the big and, moves. Oh, and this, um, Tyler, Tyler Molly. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to actually be facing, kind of hilariously, Justin Dunn on Monday night, oh, yeah. coming home. One, he is from the Northeast, Connecticut, I believe. <laughs> also, the Mets traded him in that very, very funny trade for Edmund Diaz way back when. I'm coming home. <laughs> <laughs> play, play the music. It's John, you guys, I mean, we're in the command room right now. Can we cue that video up? Yeah, there'll, there'll be a tribute. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Justin Dunn. <laughs> Back where I belong. Really nice guy. Interviewed him. Yeah, I'm sure he's great. Local guy. Played against him First in round Cooperstown pick. against his stud team when we were 12. The Long Island Titans or Outlaws, one of those. They won the whole tournament. They were also cheaters. They had multiple guys that were <laughs> multiple years above. 14-year-olds playing 12-year-olds. No wonder you guys won. You cheated. So, losers. Justin Dunn, though, was the star pitcher on that team. I hope he stinks, though, on Monday. Chris Bass is going to go against Justin Dunn on Monday. Carlos Carrasco against Mike Miner on Tuesday. Mike Miner has bad stats, but in a stadium like City Field, we're just going to, if the balls don't go out, there are going to be a lot of fly balls. We're going to be very frustrated because Mike Miner will get through like five scoreless innings. Call that now. And then Taiwan Walker in the matinee on Wednesday. Reds have not yet named a starter. Uh, is it Graham Ashcraft? He pitched uh, uh, yesterday. It will not be Graham. A- or today. It will. It will, yeah, it'll be yesterday. Well, no, you know why? Because Hunter Green went on the I.L. I think this might have been supposed to be his spot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. this could be like a Tony Santion, who's a guy that's gotten some spot starts for them in the past. Regardless, whoever it is, we should beat them. Yeah, I hope to beat them. Should be able to hit. This Reds team is not particularly good. They have some players, but... Some players. Also, trade Tommy Pham, so no one has to worry about any face, face slaps. Trade Tyler Naquin. Try, trade Tyler Naquin to us. Thank God. Change the game. Tyler Stevenson's back in the IL. Yep. He keeps like, getting freak injuries this year. It kind of sucks. Yeah, it sucks for them. In the middle of a real breakout year. I mean, Nick, Nick Sanzel's hitting a little bit. Alexis Diaz, a fine reliever. Oh, wait. No, we, we have two actual guys that deserve the coming home. Not Justin Dunn and not Justin Dunn. We have Albert Almora and oh. Matt Reynolds. Yeah, please. Dude, make it one video. Matt Reynolds. Matt Reynolds is on that 2015 playoff he roster. Was. 
Um, I mean, yeah, we could do a compilation. We'll, we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see what we can work in. If my dad was here, he would give a standing ovation to Matt Reynolds, his favorite player for no reason. But Why? He loved, you know what? I think no he, reason. Matt Reynolds plays the <laughs> no game reason. the right way. Sure. What, what, what right does that way. mean? Doesn't hit the ball hard? He, he works hard. <laughs> he plays good defense. No home runs. They he kill rallies. He hustles. Yeah, he hustles. He's a team player. He'll, he'll drop you a bunt. <gasps> you guys want to hear something tragic? Yes. I forgot to make moves in one of my fantasy baseball leagues. I'm just I'm just an outfielder short coming up this week. It's 9.45 on Sunday. You I know. The, wa- the waivers go through Sunday at 9. That's unfortunate. Oh, my God. Worst part is I'm the commissioner. I made that rule. Oh, well, that's that, on you. Tragedy. Fran Mill Ray's got cut this week. Can't believe that. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Oh, crap. Fran Mill. Take a look at him. But uh, anyway, I think that's a perfect way for us to wrap up this extremely long episode of the yeah. podcast. Is this like an hour-ish? I don't know. I don't know how long we're at. One hour, apparently, is right. what we're That's being told. That's not even told. that bad for us. But the last couple were like 120. Let's talk about You know it. what? It's at the game end at 730 and it's 945 right yeah, now. It's so crazy. it's been a long day. Actually, get a real nice sleep. Yeah. That being said, we appreciate you guys for listening and watching. Whatever you do. Make also, sure- appreciate everyone who came to the ballpark this weekend. Yes. This stadium was electric every single game. We got a long way to go here for the Mets. And the way this place was this weekend. Also, the Mets having just like basically two straight road home series mm-hmm. with all the home fans in Florida and Washington to bring that back here for this homestand is amazing. Shout out you guys. It was awesome. Make sure you're following us on all our social media at MetsUp. That's on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. If you're looking for the YouTube video, the New York Mets YouTube channel. Up to like 1,500 TikTok followers now, so that's cool too. Shout out to you guys. Keep Appreciate us going on that. there. If you're listening to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, wherever you find them, drop us a rating, drop us a review, download, subscribe. It helps us out. We really do appreciate it. You can follow James at J- James underscore Shiano. And me at Giraffe Neck Mark with a C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. And we'll see you on the next episode after the Red Series. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time. Get up. Get, get up. Get up.